up, everybody? Happy Wednesday. It's another fantastic episode of Mommy Group. This is episode number 23, and it is all about Miss Brandy Malloy. Oh, my goodness. I feel like this is a full-on therapy session. Like, I loved hearing Ami's story. Yeah. It was so awesome. And then during mine, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's yeah. so much to share. It's <laughs> so much. You guys, I cannot wait for you to listen to this. It is such an awesome interview. It's so beautiful. There's things about her story that, man, I mean you just would never have known. It's absolutely incredible. So get ready to listen. It's a fantastic episode. We can't wait to share it. Today's show is all about Phyllis. Yay! <laughs> Effin Phyllis. F Phyllis. So you guys heard Ami's interview. We went deep. Who was she? Where was she born? We got to really know her and understand her. And it's so interesting because it helps us even now as we have conversations, put it into perspective because we like really know who we're dealing with. Yeah. So it's great. So Brandy, it's your turn. I'm in the hot seat. In the hot seat. And even though we already interviewed Ami and I know all the questions, I was like, oh, I should go through the questions and think of my answers. And then I, I did I think it's so much better that way because then you're just really off the cuff and you just kind of, you know... You're yeah. not planned, Phyllis, okay? You don't okay. always have to be okay. so okay. perfect. You don't need to be 15 minutes early for this one. Well, I, ho I hope that when we're interviewing Orly, that me and Ami are like, oh, I loved learning about Brandy. Oh, wait, I wouldn't be saying that. Oh, yeah, about yourself? <laughs> yeah. But I hope that, yeah, I get the same, because that's so true. Like, I love getting to know you, Ami, and getting to know the backstory and how you were as a little kid and all the amazing degrees you have. And I think it's actually it's fun, so though, cool. too, because, you know, a lot of people, if you have been listening from the beginning, we three met kind of in the last year or so, yeah. right? And, um... We came together not knowing each other too well, and this podcast has made us really good friends, and it's been fun because now we're actually getting to know each other on a different level, which we yeah. hope you guys are too. And a lot of you, even from our social media, have asked us to kind of dive a little deeper about each other, so this is fun. It's yeah. a true mommy group. I mean, yeah. it's literally like really. we were set up in a mommy group, and now we're just continuing to learn more about each other. Yeah. All right, so let's just start off with, where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Fort Hood, Texas. So my dad was 42, my mom was 24. Ooh, scandal. Like almost 18 years apart when they met and married. I was born on a military base. And what's funny is my sister has such a meaningful name. My brother has a meaningful name. My name is Brandy Lee. Both my parents don't drink. They've never drank. So I don't know where Brandy came from. I swear they were just like looking through a book one day and just decided to name me Brandy. What's your brother and sister's name? So my sister's name is Sonia Caroline. My dad's name's Sonny. And so Sonia came from Sonny. Oh my God, I love that Sonia. You know, Sonia's an Indian name too. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. And then Caroline is my mom's name's Carol. My okay. brother is Lucas Ellie, and, or Alalios, the long version. That was my uncle's name. Oh. Um, so Luke Ellie, and then Luke from the Bible. So what what am I? Nothing. I'm Brandy because my parents don't drink. And then Lee Jeans. Is that Lee what I Jeans, am? Lee Jeans, totally. Because back totally. in the 80s. So all of these names, what is the heritage of your mom and your dad? Yeah, I always have wanted to know this. Oh, because I'm so ethnically ambiguous. Wow. Yes. Yeah, like give, give me us, some you, contour and you, I can look white. You and give us the diversity card. Give me need. a red shirt, like I can look Latina. together. Yeah. <laughs> so my mom is Filipino, but she's never been to the Philippines. She doesn't oh. speak the language. She doesn't cook the food. She knows like two dishes. Sorry, mom, it's true. And uh, she was born and raised in Texas and has a southern accent and is addicted to social media. Is she really? <laughs> yes, she is. Like in what capacity? Like is she like one of those she Facebook? She sets like up groups. Like oh. she has set up like the class of 75 in Colleen oh High School. <laughs> and like the mom swaps and oh my God, I love wait, her. you know you're from Sierra Vista, Arizona when. Like she's... <laughs> Wait, do you get like, you are you you must be like the mom and she's the daughter because you, I can't believe how controlled you are with your social media. You're like not really? even into it as much, right? I, I don't know. Like, I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, I'm very sporadic with it. Yes, but no, my mom is always on her phone. Oh boy. <laughs> the kids just got home. My kids just was got home. The cutest entrance. Blake. Come here, Blakey. I love it. It's summer. Can you say hi to everybody through that little black thing right there? Say something. You don't know? You look like the dirty kid right you now. You've got so schmutz cute. all over your this face. This is the best part about doing these podcasts at home, like, you know, bootleg style. It's just you like, get to see you know, the kids. get the kids home. It's awesome. This you guys is, have to look at how cute her daughter is. So go to her Instagram because yeah. Blakey is just the cutest. And then She's, I'm holding Sunny right now, too. Yeah, we've got it going on. So, okay, so we, we know a little about your mom. 
what's Pops like? Okay, so my dad, Sonny Malloy, or B-Dog is what his nickname is. B-Dog? B-Dog, and I'm B-Dog Jr. Because his first name's Bernard. And so he got this nickname when I was like 16. All my friends would just call him B-Dog, so we call him B-Dog. But Sonny Malloy, there's no one else like him. He's amazing. Uh, As I said, my dad was in the Army. He actually served almost 40 years in the Army as a helicopter pilot. He served two tours to Vietnam. He has incredible, moving, amazing stories about that, and I love that he shares them. And uh, he's just really interesting and cool. And then he served as a contractor for like almost another 20 years. So my dad just turned 78 and he just retired two months ago. Get out. Yeah. Like working like a full on nine to five or like six to four job. Um, And he doesn't golf. So he would joke that like, why would he retire? He doesn't know how to golf. What does a contractor position look like within his field? So he ended up working for the army as a government contractor. So top secret clearance, um, doing similar things that he did when he was in the army, except without the flying part. And you guys... So still working on a military base, just as a civilian. Wow. So we moved around every two to three years when I was little. I mean, again, my dad was 42 when I was born, so he was an officer. So we didn't move as often as someone who's enlisted would move. But I lived on military bases my whole life, except when I was uh, in high school. What was the best thing and the worst thing about living on a military base? The best thing about living on a military base is just the culture of being there. Like everyone's dad or mom is deployed or gone. So there's just such a sense of community. You know, like you go to the tarmac when you know that like Echo Troop is coming back from Afghanistan and you have signs and you bring casseroles to, you know, the next door neighbor's house. And um, you don't see color, you see rank. So you know, like if someone's dad's an officer or, you know, enlisted, but there's just such a diverse sense of like everyone, um, everyone is is so connected to what's going on in the world. Yeah. Like you meet a military kid, they know what's going on in the world. Like they are so tapped into what was said at the Pentagon and what what's going on um, in other countries, yeah. what's going on in DC. Did and that's it, such a privilege. Did you find it harder to make friends outside of that? Okay, so that would that's what I was going to say. So the Was that the worst thing? I don't I don't know if there was ever a worst thing, but I remember going the first time I went to a civilian school, all I knew was like Saved by the Bell, like what schools look like. Oh my god. From like watching Disney and watching TV Amazing. shows. And I remember like seeing like the jock table and like looking like at the cafeteria like oh that's where all the jocks sit and then like seeing like oh the God, goth kids you're like yeah like is. all the goth kids that's so well funny. most military brats are at military school yeah. Yeah. you know so you don't really but you were seeing a reflection yeah of like you... I saw like all the cheerleaders yeah. like I remember looking at at that and just knowing like oh weird because at a military school like everyone just sits together yeah. I don't know there just wasn't that defined click yeah. And so when I went to a civilian school, I saw clicks. And, and what like, age oh, was that that you went to? High school. So like ninth grade. Yeah, ninth, yeah, ninth grade. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And what's interesting is, so I spent half of my high school in Georgia at Stockbridge High School in the South. And then the other half was in Arizona. And when I was in Georgia, people, I went to a school where a lot of kids were either black or white. Yeah. And then there was a couple like. Indian kids and maybe like a couple Chinese like full Asian kids but as far as someone like me who's half um, a lot of people thought that I went to tanning beds because that was so popular there or they thought I was half black and half white Wow! like they just didn't know what I was and I remember someone asking me that and I'm like a tanning bed I didn't know I didn't even know what that was did you say did I miss this Uh, um, what is your dad ethnicity oh I did yeah he is Irish so he's a white guy a white guy that doesn't a white Irish guy that doesn't drink did you find that complimentary or were you more like why like when people thought you were I just thought it was interesting yeah I didn't think I mean sometimes people I think were saying not so nice things but I didn't ever it just went over my head when they were asking me about my skin color Um, but you know when I lived in Georgia I definitely experienced racism so for the record it is so real and it's so sad it is so prevalent even today in certain parts of the US and it's just such a shame and even to people that are brown you know I mean it's just Mm. people that are different and every time I'm in Los Angeles and I see people of different walks of life um, sexual preferences 
I like, and I see them and everyone's happy and thriving. It just makes me so grateful because living in California, especially in LA, you know, you take it for granted. Like we just don't care what people do in their lives and we're just so happy for everyone. And, you know, it takes me back. I mean, my mom experienced it a lot more than me. People thought she was um, Indian. So from an Indian reservation and you know, whatever, we wouldn't get served at restaurants. It was so, and this is not that long ago. I mean, I just turned 36, guys, so I'm not that much older. Uh, But yeah, it would happen all the time. But would they almost like, or would they ever approach your dad and be like, why are you with her? Oh, totally. And and especially since my parents have such a big age gap, you know, there's like almost 18 years between them. So to see this like older white guy with, you know, a brown woman, um, Anyways, I digress. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. When you were younger, like, were sports, uh, forgive me if this is, like, so naive of me, but, like, on the base, going to school, like, were there sports team, like, team sports, rather, that you could participate in just like any other school? Or was it, like, what did you do as a kid? Yeah, so what's cool is, like, if you ever go to a military, if you ever have the opportunity to go to a military base, please do. But what I love is it's its own community. I mean, you could literally never leave the military base and you have your church, you have your bowling alley, you have your movie theater, you have the commissary, which is our grocery store, the PX, which is the post exchange that has all the brands and all the clothing and you know oh, wow. things that you need. Um, and yeah, you have all the sports teams, so you could never leave the military base and you wow. know did that I mean, make experience you, all of those things. Did that make you like envious of people that you met outside of them because like or you were okay with it? I think you, I just never knew anything Else. other than that. Yeah. 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 And what sports did you play? So I have been playing basketball since I was like four. Oh my God. Phyllis? I know. Oh, yeah. I'm a two guard. guard. I like to oh, score. Say, oh. <laughs> and then in soccer, I was a forward. Again, I like to score. Oh, sure you do. <laughs> so yeah, I played sports my whole life. It's all I ever knew. Um, I even became a referee, which gave me way too much power. Uh, I love sports. It's all I knew. I loved sports so much that... Um, I played, you know, I was on traveling teams, I was on a select team, and um, I was so good at soccer, actually, I had an opportunity to play in college, but then I actually had a back surgery for scoliosis, so I'm skipping a lot of things, but I wore a back brace from the age of 12 to like 15, or like 13, so almost over three years. Wow, because of scoliosis. Because of scoliosis, so when they did the bend and reach test when you were little, you know, the nurse kind of like paused when she was tracing my spine. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, that's not good. And before I knew it, like I went to a specialist and got fitted for a back brace and wore a back brace. And it sucked so bad. And everyone treated me so differently like, because I yeah, went back to school. You? Totally. Yeah, people would like knock on my brace and run. I actually stopped dressing out in PE because um, I took it. I took my brace off a couple times, and kids would like hide it in the toilet or Stop. hide it. Oh my god! Stop I know it. I was bullied so bad Wait, before were... bullying was like protected. You know, like there was just yeah. a time when like nope. teachers were like, "Oh, it's fine." There was no movement. There was no. So yeah. I was suspended when I was little. I was in fights. You know, I mean fights where I would defend myself, but I was really getting ganged up on. So I was suspended. I was put in in-house suspension. There was a time when I was on the bus and got in a really bad fight. I know. I would never, yeah. ever. And I also had braces and glasses. It was so... Wait, we need to see... I need to see It was see hard. Picture. It was rough. When, yeah. So, the, the brace. Mm-hmm. Is this something that went under your clothes, over your clothes? Yeah, that, so, I had to wear like a... a, a I don't know, like a thin tank top. Mm-hmm. And then would go over my tank top. And then I would wear my clothes over it. Got it. Um, I had a friend in school who had one, so I'm thinking I'm visualizing the right thing. And it went from my waist. um, I mean, you could see it through my clothes. Or if I wore a baggy shirt, you couldn't see it. But then everyone knew because, like, you know, if someone brushes up against you, you have, like, this hard metal plastic thing. And you had to put it on with, like, Velcro. So it was really loud if I had to adjust it. And then, yeah, braces and glasses. And, like, no one feels good when they're, you know, everyone's trying Mm. to figure out who they are during puberty and middle school and high school. And then braces and glasses. Like, I could not see. I had gap teeth, so I had to wear braces for, like, three years. Wait, so your siblings at this time were on the military base. base yeah, so I'm the oldest of three. Uh, my sister, Sonia, is 17 months younger than me. And then my little brother, Luke, is nine years younger than me. So there's a big So you were the gap. one that was, like, when you were getting bullied, it wasn't like they could there was no to one your to defense, out. right? Yeah, and like... you know what even sucked more? So my sister was really popular and had lots of friends and stuff, and a lot of her friends would kind of date guys who were my age. So she would go to parties with 
guys and friends that were my age. So when I was a senior, she was a sophomore. And sometimes people didn't even know that we were related because, ooh, Sunny, Sunny's spitting up. Poor Sunny. baby. Oh, oh. Ami's okay. baby. Oh my god, it oh my just gosh, keeps coming. Okay. That's what I mean, baby. you guys. He really spits up bad. I have an outfit for him. Here, I'll change him while you guys are Things talking. are rough. Let me go change it because that's He's just getting used to it. You can just let him yeah, hang out. And then I'll I'll change him after. I'll just un I'll just un Yeah, air him out. Yeah. Whatever you oh, think. God. Baby. Poor baby. Are you okay? Talking, I'm yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she would be, she would be at parties and like people didn't even know that you guys were like related. And yeah. I mean, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me, but I, I had a rough yeah. childhood and it was also rough cause like my mom and sister were pretty hard on me about it. Um, like in what way? Just teasing and like my, you know, my sister really? just had so many friends and I just felt like. Like, my room was upstairs, hers was downstairs, and I kid you not, like, I was, like, the kid that would look out my window or, like, go to the top of the stairs to, like, hear her getting invited or, like, on her way to a party, you know, that I would never go to. Um, and I, I want to yeah. go in, in chronological order, but just to jump forward for a second, was there a moment that you remember when that dynamic changed for you where you were being invited and you were like that whole thing changed yeah not till college college yeah okay. not till college okay. yeah yeah so um I mean so I was the kind of kid that on my lunch break I would hang out with like the teachers and offer to you know help them in their classroom or organize things or like tutor someone um or I would hang out with the counselors and like become friends with all the adults yeah and again I had friends in high school I had like a nice little community of girlfriends that I'm still friends with a lot of them today but overall Middle school and high school was just not something I was fond of. I mean, just to give you an example, I played on the soccer team for high school, but so many of those girls were so mean to me that even when I was on the bus headed to a game, I felt so alone. Oh. Like, I felt like no one was my friend, and they teased and me and never included me, even though I was on the team. That makes so much sense as to why in our last podcast you were talking about how the stress that you've always felt with parenting was not when they're little. It's when there's yeah. going to be, like, emotional social roadmaps to yeah. navigate that you're going to be like, you don't want them to feel what you felt. Yeah. And just the dynamic of like growing up. Like I remember praying like, oh, like praying to God, you know, please get me through this and I can't wait till I'm older and I can just be whoever I want to be and no one's going to know. Like I can decide who I'm going to be and that's it. Like I couldn't wait to move out. I couldn't wait to go to college. I couldn't wait to like reinvent who I am. Um, I've always dated good guys, and I swear it's because I see people for who they are. Did that affect... Like, I always saw, like, yeah. who was nice to me, and, like, I saw people for who they are and who their heart is and their yeah. soul, and, yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> this kills me. This is so... I, had, I mean, I had no idea. Yeah, it was Did rough. that affect your relationship with your sister and your mom? Yes. Um, yeah, and that, that got a little different because, like, my sister ended up dating a guy that none of us liked, um, and then she married him, and now they're divorced. Uh, so, yeah, our, our, our relationship ended up kind of – when she had kids, that's when our relationship became a relationship, which is a long time. You know, yeah. like, we weren't really friends in high school. We weren't really friends in college. And it's weird because I went to college and I had this room available for her because I lived in this four-bedroom, four-bath apartment with my friends, and she was going to live there too, and I was so excited, and then she met someone, and she ended up having this long-distance relationship and living like 80 miles away from our college. Oh, wow. So she never experienced college the way that I thought she should have, so... That was another bummer. Does that scare you? I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but does that, your experience as a child and what you went through, does that make you worried or more anxious as a parent now to two kids? I don't know. I haven't thought of it that way. I just want my daughter to be a good person and, you know, to never exclude someone um, because they're different. Yeah. Yeah. When, like, when I think of you now, I think, like, you're so outgoing you're so positive you're so bubbly you have such a clear personality like mm -hmm. it's impossible to not meet you and be like oh I get yeah I get yeah was that person always underneath it all along and people just didn't see <laughs> I it I wish the water I was drinking was alcohol even oh though I God. don't even like alcohol <laughs> yeah your eyes you're gonna make me cry like was it was it that like they just didn't even get to see that that's yeah. who was actually there because they were being little a-holes because they were young and they were making fun of you or did it 
did that personality develop as you became confident and got older? Yeah, I definitely was not this outgoing, bubbly person until yeah. college. Okay. Yeah, for sure. What do you think changed? Like, what kind of flipped that switch? Well, so I lost a soccer scholarship and of the, because of so my... surgery. So what? Yeah, so I ended up having three surgeries. The first surgery, doctors put... Um, two 17-inch metal rods, fused them to my vertebrae with cadaver bone. I had to learn how to walk again. You know, I spent the whole summer in the hospital doing physical therapy at home on the couch. Um, and that was the first time that I felt sorry for myself because I just thought, like, you know, when I'm on the field, I'm a soccer player yeah. and I'm actually good at something. And no one knows that I'm, like, you know, a girl with scoliosis that wears the stupid back brace. And then when that was taken from me and I didn't have the opportunity to go away to college and, like, mm -hmm. live in a dorm and all these cool things, I was so upset. So I ended up going to community college for two years. Yeah. I know that. And I also, I mean, it was such a blessing in disguise because I don't know if I was ready to actually live on my own yet mm. anyways. Yeah. But, yeah, going to me community college was so great for me because then I made my own friends there. One of my best friends ended up going to college with me for a couple years. Her plan was never to go to college at all. Um, so it was kind of cool that she yeah. ended up doing that with me and we got to experience it together. I was the editor in chief of my college newspaper. I joined like some social um, civic organizations. But I think the big pivotal point is um, I was friends with a girl that was doing a pageant. And her mom put all the money into a coach and a voice coach, like a pageant coach, a voice coach. Gorgeous dresses with sequins, and I went with her to a practice, and that coach said, why aren't you doing this pageant? And I was like, oh my god, I would never do a pageant. Yeah. Um, that's just like, so not me. I didn't, yeah, I'm, yes, I'm 17, a graduate of high school. I don't own any dresses. I'm not girly. I had never worn makeup. I'd never had my nails done. None, nothing like that. When I went prom dress shopping, my dad went with me. Um... I just wasn't that person. Anyway, she volunteered to, like, be my coach. And when, can I just, when you said, like, oh, I would never do a pageant, was it because you thought I could never do a pageant? Or, like, you were kind of shunning that sort of... I thought of... those girls just weren't nice girls. Got it. I didn't think I was pretty enough. I didn't think I was talented enough. I just felt like I'm an athlete and, like, I'm a tomboy. Mm -hmm. And I would just never be a girly girl. Like, my sister's girly. Like, she was... Yeah you know, up for homecoming queen and she, you know, dated guys and stuff. I just never thought I'd be like that. Um, but she was like, you should do it. And by the way, you can get money for college. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Because I'd gotten all sorts of academic scholarships. But after losing the opportunity to pay college ball, I just kind of thought, oh, okay, I should do this. Um, and my parents didn't really just have like extra money laying around to go to a four-year yeah. university and put me in a dorm and stuff. So I ended up doing a pageant and not really telling anyone I was doing it. Oh my it. gosh. In Arizona. In Arizona okay. for my hometown of Sierra Vista, which as you guys might know just from watching TV and stuff, like the smaller the town, the bigger the deal. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, so it was such a big deal. Totally. My, my picture was in the paper that I was doing a pageant and I actually placed. And guys, I never had a chance in winning, but the fact that I placed was so cool. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I've done a pageant. Like, that's cool. I think what, I got okay. like... What was your dress? I know. And what was your, like, do you have to have a skill? You have to have like, a talent. What's your dress and what's your talent? So I learned one dance that I ended up taking, like, for years. Because I ended up doing pageants for a couple years. And it was... this. The song was called Fire Goddess. And I learned this Tahitian dance. So not the hula, because that's much too graceful for, like, a tomboy girl <laughs> that's not that coordinated. But I learned how to do a Tahitian dance where I shook my butt... And I learned, you know, and I got like an authentic Tahitian costume. Oh my gosh. And I learned one dance over and over again. And I found a platform, which is, you know, a community service cause that I am passionate about. And yeah, actually placed. Holy Did that and change my, your whole idea around pageantry? It well, did, but I thought I would just do it once. And then a year later, I, I have another back surgery. And I recover from it. Not expected. You know, we just thought I would have one surgery, but I had some complications, so I had to have another back surgery. And this coach found me again, and she was like, oh, my God, there's just a couple months till the pageant. Are you excited? I'm like, no, I did it once. Yeah. I can tell my grandkids, your grandma did a beauty pageant. Yeah. She didn't make a fool of herself. And so um, she convinced me to do it again. 
and I got first runner up and I was Ooh. like, oh, wait a second. Then I got determined that I was going to actually do this. And so oh. the third time I competed, I won. Were you Miss Universe? Get I didn't know about I it. I wasn't Miss Out. You won? I won Miss Sierra Vista in my what? hometown, which is part of the Miss America organization. Um, and I did some really cool things. I helped pass a bill in Arizona, which actually allows adult workers, if they're part of this program, um, you know, employ employments can allow their employees to take one hour of flex time to like mentor, coach, or tutor a child. And then every other Friday they could take off. Oh so gosh. if on your lunch break every day you're going to the Boys and Girls Club, you earn four hours a week. And then, you know, that's amazing. that equals eight hours every other Friday. Um, I helped... Uh, start a 501c3 charity. I got really involved in the troops and different causes. Mostly it was youth-related organizations because I learned early on that not everyone had parents like mine that could be a part of their lives and help them with school and academics. So yeah, I did a lot. I, I really was able to use pageantry as a microphone to promote causes that were important to me and it gave me that platform. And then I went to Miss Arizona and placed top five and I ended up paying for college all on my own. That's amazing. With scholarships from pageantry and academics. So I never wow. took out student loans. Wow, that is Brandy, wild. That is really cool. Crazy. Wait. Oh my god. I know. I have another lie. <laughs> it's so well. It's so wild because I feel like if the story would have started right there, uh -huh. we'd be like, yeah, yeah, duh, Phyllis. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. But like to hear the transformation where it started uh, total and, transformation yeah, but, and the experience that's really interesting it's so amazing because it totally makes you who you are and it adds so much character like yeah you are phyllis but you're so <laughs> but in the best way ever you're phyllis uh -huh. in that like you are it was funny i was talking to a mutual friend of ours uh -huh. and she said she was like you know what brandy's one of those people <laughs> where you meet and you kind of want to like you want to be annoyed at her because she's so perfect that oh you're God. like, you're kind of like, mm -hmm. stop. And there's, I'm going to find something I don't uh -huh. like about you because you can't be this perfect and cute and put together and loving and everything. And then she was like, you know what, though? That's so sweet. It's not the case because then you meet her and you get to know her and you're just like, she is that package yeah. and she means it. It's like at Aww. the core of who you are. And it makes so much sense because you've lived through these things, which I'm sure mm -hmm. at the time were not anything that you yeah. would ever want to experience, but like those experiences make you who you are, right? And oh, totally. It's and like so much of it has to do with my faith. You know, I talk about being a Christian and stuff, but like those were the times where I was really just having these like deep conversations with God and just you know wanting to know like why me. And and I just want to say like I know I didn't have you know, a life-threatening disease. Like scoliosis is the curvature of the spine. It could affect my breathing. It can affect the way that you grow. But like in reality, it's such a cosmetic thing. Like I'm so lucky that I didn't have a severe case where I walk, you know, un unbalanced. Like there's people that have scoliosis where they're completely hunched over. But it definitely like, you know, shaped who I am today. And it definitely was hard. It's perspective. And it's, um, and it's the social part of it. I'm sure that the hardest part of all of it was not the actual... You know, the surgeries were no joke, I'm sure. But it wasn't the surgeries. It wasn't the doctor appointments. Yeah. It was the fact that it affected every level of your social life. Yeah, that you're different. That age, and no one wants to be different at, at that, that age. At that age, yeah. man, you want... You want to fit in. You want to blend in. Yeah, exactly. That's all that you want. Mm -hmm. So you paid for college with them. So this was all happening prior to college or it, there was an overlap? Yeah, so like the first pageant was when I was... Um, I had just graduated high school. And then the second was when I was a freshman in college. And then... The third one was um, like during in the middle of yeah yeah. So would you kind of say because you were able to pay your bills with this and tuition, would you say that pageants were your first job? Like, what was your first job? Okay, so my first job. I mean, I had like little jobs. I mean, first of all, so my first job job was I would buy nail polish. <laughs> And I would mix colors and go door-to-door -door selling them. And I thought of, like, oh, these really cool names. Shut Wait. up. And I would put, like, stickers on them and try to sell Did them. Did people buy them? Yeah, so people bought them. When you but, like, back like, in the day when, like, you know, all the colors were just, like, basic. You know, it was just, like, red, maroon. You know, yeah. there weren't cool colors. So that was, that was like, a job. That was a real job. I was 12. Very entrepreneurial. That yeah. Is. Then there's another entrepreneurial thing. Then at one point, I convinced my dad to buy, like, those big king-sized candy bars at Costco and, and then I would upsell them at school <laughs> <laughs> but my first job were like I actually filled out a w4 and everything was at Wendy's 
Wendy's. And I wore the visor and everything. And here's what's cool about working at Wendy's. I worked for this guy that was such a jerk, but he was such a stickler about the quality of the food that I thought all fast food restaurants were like that. So like if the french fries had been out for like 15 minutes, he would toss them. You know, like, like it was such a strict... Like, there was no funny business. Like, everything got cleaned. The griddle was perfect. You know, everyone washed their hands. We would, like, ring a bell, and you'd wash your hands to make sure. I mean, it was, like, fast food at its finest. So I thought, like, all fast food places were like that, were, like, impeccably clean. But, yeah, I worked at Wendy's, and at one point I worked the drive-thru, and I would get super competitive. Wait, how old were you at this point? 16. Okay. Like, my first job, 16. Wow. Um, so, anyways, I worked there. Then I was a cocktail waitress, and I have really funny stories because – as I've said before, my parents don't drink. They never drank. We never even had alcohol at the house. So when we would host parties, I had no idea that, like, at other places, you would, like, maybe have wine and beer. So one time I was cocktailing, and someone ordered a red wine, and I brought her a white wine, and I swore that that was what she ordered, and I was just such an idiot. Wait, so how did that work with, like, did that come into any conflict with your parents like being religious and being a cocktail waitress like did you do did you decide to do that because it made more money or like why yeah just for like logical reasons and my parents are all about like they think people should do whatever they want they just have never really had a taste for it yeah and like I didn't grow up in like a strict like my parents are very open-minded you know my close my parents closest friends are you know a gay male couple like we have you know friends of all walks of life so they weren't like that kind of strict they just never really liked alcohol and then I never really got a taste for it um now I I drink every now and then but like I'm not a big drinker uh yeah so I just did it strictly because it was fun and it made money and I enjoyed it and then I finally started learning about alcohol so that I made that mistake once that what? was horrible. Like was serving, like, serving the oh. the white oh, wine. Oh, the white wine. She clearly I thought you were going to tell us like a story about a drunken night, maybe, and how you met. Oh, Mr. I've a. I've been drunk like three times in my life, wow. and I have no fun stories. I'm too controlling. I never want to be drunk. When you were in college, what was your experience like in college? Were you? I, I mean, was, you did the paper, but like, were you social? Were you going out? Did you like? Did what you have was boyfriends? your social life? So I learned how to crochet, and I was literally oh, crocheting. Effing Phyllis. I'm I'm waiting for some juicy frat part. She's like, I learned to crochet. And, and I would sweet. crochet blankets for troops. But. <laughs> Wait, you would do this while Like, I feel like in my room crocheting. Okay, so I'll tell you as a story. The Your first night of college when I went to University of Arizona, go cats, red party and blue. Party school central, Party right? school. I lived off campus because, you know, I'm a junior by now. Right. Um, I lived in a four-bedroom, four-bath with, like, three other fun women that are normal collegiate people, not like a weirdo like me. <laughs> the first night, they had, there was a keg on the balcony, and there's just music. We lived next door to, like, these hot guys. They invited us over. I was so scared. Like, there's just so much going on. There's parties. I can hear, like, things getting broken. I call my parents, and I'm like, I don't want to do this. Come get me. I'm so scared. Like, I don't want to be here. Come get me. I'm scared. Like, I thought the police were going to come. Stop. I thought that, like, there was illegal substances on the property. (laughs) I was so afraid of, like, someone forcing me to do a keg stand and me having a stomach ache. A stomach ache. Yeah, I never, no, I never wanted, so that I didn't was, want to be there. So I was so none scared. of that, you were in school, working, so, so, doing the paper, like you were all business. So if, if my best friend Aaron and Breland were listen, are listening, they would be freaking out right now because I love to dance. So oh. I would like go clubbing and dance and I would be like the, oh. yeah, I would be the designated driver and I would shake my hiney so hard I love to dance. I'd be on stage. I would do like those dance competitions. (laughs) And like when they put a number on your back and I'm like, yep, get it. I'm going to win. And like I'd win the hundred. Stop it right now. But I didn't drink. So yes, I love to party and I love to dance. And I would play beer pong and I would make my partner drink, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink the alcohol. Okay. So now this brings up, so college happens and fast forward a little bit, what do you do after college? Like, how do you how do you meet Mr. A? Which I know is later, right? Oh yeah, later oh yeah, so many. Well, I'm a serial monogamous, so I ended up dating like a guy in college, I dated a guy in high school, I dated a guy for like two or three years, then I dated a guy in when I was going to community college for like two or three years, broke up with him. Then I dated a guy at University of Arizona for like three years and broke up with him. So I'm a serial monogamist, um, I end up, 
doing the Oprah thing, which we have in common, Ami. So after I graduated from University of Arizona, I was dating this guy. I moved to Chicago with him conveniently because I want to work for Oprah. I end up doing this really cool show for her called Oprah's Big Give where she chose 10 people to go across the United States making dreams come true, surprising people with money, paying off their debts. It was a reality show on ABC and we worked with all these cool celebrities. It kind of reminds me of like Apprentice meets um, just like a philanthropy show. It was called The Big Give. And after that show, I decided that I wanted to move to Los Angeles and pursue being a journalist. So I always knew I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be like Lisa yeah. Ling and we do never talked about yeah. reporting. How did okay. you though? Like, do you think pageants opened you up to that a little bit? Yeah, to be to be feeling confident on camera because I always knew I wanted to be a journalist, but I never thought I would have the courage to be like the face. So you maybe thought like you'd be a writer. Yeah, or, exactly, okay. or a producer, or just like an on the feet, like yeah. in the ground, Somehow on the field, part of it, right. yeah, producing, yes. On, yeah. So then you go, you move to so you move to Chicago with with the idea also like you're moving with your boyfriend at the time, but then you're like, okay, Oprah's there too. I'm gonna do this. So how do you basically even all the guys just like wanted to settle down and it would just like stress me out and freak me out. I'm like, I'm too young to get married. But like, did you just go to an open casting? Or? So I went. She basically positioned it as, are you a big giver? Do you like giving back to your community? Um, You're like, why, well, yes, I've been crocheting blankets in my <laughs> college dorm room. Do you volunteer? It was kind of one of those things. You didn't know it was a reality show. I thought it was to be part of her angel network, uh-huh. which was this yeah. program, you know, or something like it. And then when I got the call from Oprah uh, to be on a reality show, I kind of freaked out thinking, oh, my God, it's going to be like. And back then, reality shows were like. Non-existent. And, and they ha- kind of had, like, a bad... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, you thought you were going to end up in a hot tub right. on a dating show. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I did that, and it was absolutely, like, a pivotal moment in my life, in my career. Because, like, what year is this? This is 2008. So, so I graduated like, in 2006. Okay. Got it. Two years after college, uh, I decide, okay, I want to move to Los Angeles and pursue my dream of being a host, a journalist on camera host. The boyfriend at the time is like, you guys are. We, it was toxic. We broke up. We got back together. We broke up. He was older. He was a doctor. Never date doctors. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then I moved to Los Angeles. By the way, I would have never moved here without a roommate. I was so scared of the big city. Really. I was freaking out. Los Angeles just gave me so much anxiety. I just thought. It was so scary. I thought I was going to like, I don't know. Yeah. It was so yeah, scary. I so I that. never would have moved here without Cameron, my best friend at the time, who I'm still friends with, who I met on the show. Oh, okay. And we moved to the Palazzo, <gasps> where they filmed oh the God. hills. Across from the Grove. And so we would see like Adrena Patridge hanging out, getting ready to film. Oh my gosh, this was during the Hills era. Yeah. And like I went, I remember going to a club where Lady Gaga did like a couple sets before she was Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. And she just had two dancers and she wasn't even on a stage. She was just like on the dance floor and you just made room for her. So it was a really fun time to live in Los Angeles. And um, I won money on the Oprah show. So basically, they would ask us during the show, if you won money, what would you do with it? And you, I guess you just thought that you would give it to a nonprofit or like, is there someone in your life you would give it to? And then at the end of the show, the winner won a million dollars. And then the two runners up, me and Cameron won $100,000. Wow. And so I actually had the ability to move to Los Angeles and afford to live in LA. Uh, Yeah, so I, I made it to the top three. And won money, and I gave. Of course, I gave money away too because that was what that's was so amazing. cool about the show. Wait, that's kind of like a big deal. I know it was a hundred thousand dollars. My mind's like blown. Yeah. Okay, so then you made. So, so now moved, you're like I'm making these things. Yeah. For so myself. I moved to LA and I started auditioning. Obviously, I needed a real job, so I started actually grant writing for the Boys and Girls Clubs of Santa Monica. And because I had all of that experience with five hundred one c three charities and philanthropy. And the CEO at the time let me have a very flexible schedule. So I started going to auditions, you know, and callbacks yeah. and so forth. For and, hosting gigs. Yeah, for hosting gigs while I was grant writing. Um, I also became an advisor for the Boys and Girls Club. And so I did this um, college-bound program. It would help kids fill out their college applications. So it felt like home. Like I felt like I was still um, – everything was just so familiar, which yeah. was nice. And then a friend sent a um, a listing that Pop Sugar was looking for a lifestyle producer and host. 
And so I decided to camera test for it, and I camera tested for like six months, and then I finally got it. Wow, six months. And that's kind of how my career in hosting really started. Did when when they had that show when you had the casting, was it we're looking for talent and we'll figure out the right project, or they had this idea for the show, the type of show that you ended up hosting, and you became the host of that show? So they were looking for an, a lifestyle host and producer. So you had to have a producer mind. You mm -hmm. needed to be able to come up with your stories. But it was actually a video commerce show, so it was a shopping show. Ah. So yeah, so uh, the first thing I did was more shopping and lifestyle. And I forgot to mention that while I was a grant writer at the Boys and Girls Club, I met one of my best friends now, and we decided to start a dessert company. And I was so freaked out about California law that I made it a, a LLC. Yeah. So we were a legit company, and we would do wedding cakes and dessert tables what? and candy bars. So that's where the food came in. Stuff, yeah. Because then Pop Sugar lost their food host, Claire Thomas, who we all know as the Kitschy Kitchen, um, on her Instagram, and she's had shows. She left Pop Sugar, and they were looking for a food host. So then you got and the makeup way. artist told the president of the studio, like, Brandy does food stuff. You should have her audition. And I was like, nope, I would never do that. I don't have a culinary degree. I have no interest. Like, I don't want people to look at my knifing skills. I just am an at-home cook. And he was like, please, just camera test. And so I did it, and then Lisa Sugar, the founder and owner of Pop Sugar, was like, no, we like this. Like, we want it to be an approachable, yeah. like, girl next door. Totally. Like, everyone's watching. No one wants to watch a... The perfectionist. Yeah, a French-trained chef. They want to watch someone that's, you know, an at-home cook. And then she asked me, she said, well, we really like the lifestyle stuff you're doing. And I was hosting a show called The Daily Obsession. And we were shooting like 10 episodes a day. Oh my gosh. Of like 10 products that we're obsessed wow. with. And we were interviewing the celebrity or the designer that came up with that makeup or that hair or that oh, cool. whatever. It was great. Um, or food. And she asked me that and I said, can I do both? I like both. And so she said, okay. So for six years, I was the lifestyle and food host for Pop Sugar. I was the only person that did that. That and is then amazing. I, that is like serendipitous because that is, is crazy. That's like making your dreams come true. Or and so much of it is timing, guys. Like yeah. you know, being ready for those opportunities and and saying yes. Like there were so many things that I did for free, and I'm talking about yeah. money. Things that I just did because I loved it and I wanted to create, and it paid off. And and it paid off in a big way because. I started doing KTLA segments and CBS Live yeah. segments. And when Today Show approached me, it was because they saw those live segments. It's not because they saw these amazing edited videos I did for Pop Sugar. It yeah. was because they saw like these KTLA segments where I would spend my own money on product and food and show up in the morning and schlep everything to the studio. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, they don't reimburse. Yeah. All those media opportunities, own. no one is paying you for them. It's, uh, it's all you. And so I became a Today Show tastemaker. And I have been doing stuff for Today Show for about five years. So all of that led to, you know, actually having a, a television presence. And then obviously the Today Show stuff, I think, led to the stuff that I do for Food Network. You know, it really allowed me to do stuff on a national scale. That's amazing. When you were at Pop Sugar and you were balancing both of the different shows and both the different roles, was there a moment where it felt like, or have you had a moment yet in your career that's felt like, this is the dream, like I think I might have made it? Or have you always felt like you were one step away from it, like you're not quite there yet? Because all these things you hear today's show, you hear your yeah. own show, Pop Sugar, you hear, you hear the Food Network show, you hear all the, was there ever that moment for you? I mean, even just being at Pop Sugar and making really cool content there, like my producer and I started this show called Eat the Trend. And when we had a million subscribers on YouTube, I, I, I just, I always have pinch me moments, guys, because I consider myself a small town girl with big city dreams. Like, I'm such a small town girl. Like, I shop at Target. I don't own designer things. I think of myself as such a, like, middle America basic girl that when I do these things, I'm always yeah. pinching myself, like this is so cool, this is so cool. But when we took Eat, Eat the Trend to a TV show called Eat This Now, so Food Network bought our show and it became wow. a special on Food Network and I helped create it and we partnered with Giada De Laurentiis and she was the executive producer and it oh, became wow. this big thing. Wow. I remember thinking like, this is so cool. You were the host? I was the as host. As well as, okay host and producer credit and it became a special but it didn't get picked up for a show 
but still it it forged those relationships yeah. that but but going back to what early said like that in that moment i was like this is so cool like i'm on the cusp of having my own show yes yes and every time i see myself as a judge on guys grocery games or the best thing i ever ate i think i'm so grateful that i get to do these amazing things and i've met these incredible people and i did red carpet interviews for a while and i've met cool celebrities but I think that there's always that part of me I think until I have a show on a network that has gone more than one season yeah. is I until I get that I will not feel like I've made it because that has been my show that has been my goal since I was a little girl yeah. even even when I was a little girl thinking I wouldn't be on camera I still was the producer I still you knew still, I wanted to be a journalist I want to tell people stories and I think a lot of it has to do with being a military brat. I thought it was so cool that I've lived in all these amazing places um, that people might not ever get to experience, but because a journalist or a storyteller can share them, yeah. you get to feel that. And um, when I turned 30, I decided to go to Uganda and do a mission because I always felt this connection to Africa. And when I did work with Oprah, I had all these missed opportunities where I thought I was going to go there and be part of her leadership academy, and it didn't happen. And so when I turned 30, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this on my own. Wow. And so I partnered with um, – I went by myself, which I don't recommend. Um, wow. Not with an organization, not with anyone else. I Holy went by myself as a 30-year-old single girl, and I helped the Palliative Care Association of Uganda. Um, what does that mean? So palliative care and hospice care is basically the care that people get when they're on their last days of life. Oh, wow. So when they have six months or less, six months or less to live, I shadow those healthcare providers and those doctors to their hospitals, to these remote places in Uganda, uh, to document the amazing work they're doing. And I wow. helped kind of create a communication strategy for them to document these things. Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the best thing I've ever done. I was there for three weeks. And the nicest place I ever stayed was actually at a, a nun compound where I had hot water for the first time in weeks. Um, but yeah, oh my changed my life. Amazing. That's amazing. But, but that story I wanted to share because if there is something that has been tugging at your heart that you've been wanting to do, do it. I kept waiting for these opportunities to come and they kept falling through. And then finally I booked a ticket to Uganda, Africa, found an organization I wanted to dedicate my talents and time to, and I did it. And I got my parents' blessing and I went. And again, it was the hardest thing. It was crazy uh, and it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And there were so many times I was so uncomfortable. Yeah. I got mugged at one point, which sucked so bad because my camera was taken. Wow. And, um, there was a point where I was in such a heavily populated place. I was in the capital of Uganda um, that things could have gotten so much worse in that moment. So it was scary yeah. and, and freaky, but uh, they are the most amazing people. <laughs> And it was the and best. And it was the best experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Freddie, you have like, wow, I feel like <laughs> you've lived three lifetimes. It's really It does. It's I interesting. So. It's interesting to hear the like evolution of your your experience like you as a person, the experiences and the way that you've like evolved over time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I yeah. like don't even know what to say. It's so interesting. So yeah. okay, so now I feel now you're really career focused right like you know what you want to do you feel like you found mm -hmm. your calling mm -hmm. when do you when does your husband fall into this like come into the picture oh mr a so i was at my gynecology my yearly gynecology appointment and wait hold on give us the background <laughs> are you you're on a show you're traveling what are oh you i skipped a guy i skipped a guy so when i was 25 i was on set and ran into my first kiss I ran into the guy in Arizona no. when I was 13 that put his tongue in my mouth for the no. first time of my life who gave me my first kiss. Oh my I God. ran into him. Stop it. He is a guy I had had a crush on my whole like adolescence. He was Mr. Popular when I had the back brace. He didn't no. know who I was. Oh my God. So I knew him in middle school. So I knew him like, in high I'm school. I'm going to date you. Yeah. So then I go through my, you know, like ugly duckling. I'm now a swan and I see him on set and I still have like those feelings oh I'm like my oh my gosh. god and it's the guy that you like call him by his first and last name because he's yeah, like yeah, that yeah. guy <laughs> so um oh my god, 
out to I him. run into him and he ends up, I don't even remember if he asked me out for a drink or if I was just so confident that I asked him out for a drink, oh. a drink that I wasn't going to drink, by the way. Yeah. And we go on a date and we end up dating for five and a half years. Get out. How crazy is that? Five and a half years. We date for five and a half years. He's such a good guy. We had such a great relationship. We traveled together. He's the kind of guy that like one time we showed up at the Burbank airport and I didn't know where we were going. He just told me to pack my bags and he took me on this amazing trip. Like he was such a great guy, but we were not meant for each other. And what's interesting is we dated for like, again, five and a half years. And at no point was I ever thinking of marriage. I just mm. liked that we wanted to be together forever. And like, it was just like this imaginary timeline. But 25, I wasn't thinking about it. 26, I wasn't thinking about it. 30, I still wasn't thinking about it. And were other people in your life like, you guys going to get married? I think people like saying that to you? I think, yeah. Some people were getting um, very impatient. Like, You know, like some of my friends were like, okay, you've been dating a while. Like, are you guys going to get married? And we lived together, which we didn't mean to live together. Like, it was one of those things where his roommate at the time ended up buying a house with his girlfriend and then he was kind of in a bind because he was about to have surgery so he moved in with me and then before I knew it we were living together but let me tell you guys I had broken up with every guy in my life two years three years four years I'm a serial monogamist and then this guy broke up with me and we were sitting there and he's like I don't know if I ever want to marry you like I don't know if this is ever where our relationship's going to go. And even though you agreed, right? Well, no. Because you weren't sure that you wanted to marry him either. Yes, but to hear him say, like, that's not going to happen. That's not what I want. Yeah. Guys, I looked at him and was like, oh, my God, this is the right thing. It was the weirdest thing. Now, we both cried. I cried. But I don't know. Within a couple weeks, like, he moved out and life was fine. It was the weirdest thing. And I look back and like our relationship would have never, the end of our relationship would have never worked if he hadn't have broken up with me. I would have never broken up with him. Really? I mean, what? I think I think maybe at 30, maybe if I ever had like that ping in my ovaries that happens to people yeah. and they're like, time's running out. I need to get married. Yes. I need to have kids. But I didn't feel that way. I didn't feel that way as a 31 year old girl. Like I liked our life. Nothing yeah. was broken. I, there was still passion for people wondering because I feel like people are like, well, were you guys still passionate? Yeah. Were you just best friends? No. We had a really great relationship. But it took him breaking up with me for me to realize that, like, he wasn't my forever. And, like, yeah. who am I kidding? When I look at my friends and when they actually tell me what they were thinking, they're like, you were so meant to be a wife one day. You're meant to be a mom one day. Yeah. The fact that you thought you were going to, like – live with this guy forever and never have those things is so weird. Yeah. Um, to them, you know, they were just like, what? It's weird to think that now, knowing you now. Yeah, I'm such a, like, traditional marriage person. So, anywho, he broke up with me. It was the best thing. Um, And at that same month, my now husband, Mr. A, he had broken up with his girlfriend of four and a half years. Oh, my God. And I think it was kind of of the same thing, like, why haven't you gotten married to this woman? Yeah. Uh, so eight months later, we're both single. My OBGYN, I'm at my exam, guys. So I'm literally <laughs> like in stirrups. And she's like, there's someone I want you to meet. I know you're single. By the way, her and I had become very close because she actually was raised in Africa. She's American, but she had, um, her heart was in Africa. So when I went to Uganda, we just became like bonded and we became girlfriends and we were more than just like my OBGYN patient relationship. Yeah. Um, and so she was like, I just know this guy. He's the nicest guy. He's the sweetest heart. You have to meet him. Oh. And I just love that she said he was a nice guy. Cause yeah. again, I've never dated an asshole. I will never be friends with people that aren't nice. And I just love that she was like, he's so nice. Yeah. Didn't know what he did for a living. Didn't know what he looked like. I said yes. She's like, he's on his way to the office. Oh, my God. I'm like, what? Oh, my God. I have no makeup on. I'm wearing a Rolling Stones jersey tee, my Tom's shoes that have holes in them, and jeans and no makeup. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is not happening. I start pinching my cheeks so I can have, like, little red the cheeks. Little blush. I start interviewing everyone in the office, like, all the medical assistants, everyone, like, who is this guy? All of a sudden, I see him walking. He's wearing a suit. I'm like, oh, my God, he's a grown-up. Like, I'm about to meet, like, a man. Like, an actual man. 
my ex-boyfriend worked in the industry, so he would wear yeah. like sh- you know jeans and totally a shirt to work. A man. I see Mr. A. I'm like, oh my god, guys, this is a true story. He walks in. Now he doesn't know he's getting set up, but he knows that like some a rouge, like something's yeah. about to happen. Yeah. Because he had called the girls to say, hey, can I get you guys Starbucks? I have a meeting with the doctor. And they're like, no, just come in here. We want you to meet someone. Oh, my God. So I shake his hand. I'm like, hi, I'm Brady with an eye. And he's like, hi. And I start interviewing him. True story. I'm like, what birth order are you? How close are you to your mom? Why aren't you married yet? Do you drink? Do you smoke? Have you ever done drugs? What car do you drive? Yeah. Are you Catholic? How Catholic are you? And then he asked for my number. He asked for a number after all those questions. Which is a frocking miracle that he wasn't like, Brandy, then I suck yeah. it. I'm out of here. So one day we need to have a mommy group pod where our significant others come on. I agree. Because be I, I want to hear his like, side of the story. I feel like I've heard this side of the story. But I'm nothing without Mr. A. Yeah. Can I say yeah. that after meeting Mr. A now, yes. I'm like, I totally, and knowing your story now, I get exactly why you guys are together. Yeah. Because he is just as much of a gem as you are. So... <laughs> So he's, he's a sweetie, and you know, this story is a lot longer, so I've talked about this on my Instagram, it's saved in my highlights, um, but yeah, we, we, he asked me out on a date, we go on a date, after the second date, we both knew we didn't want to date anyone else, I met his family three weeks later, I spent Thanksgiving with them, he spent Christmas with mine, he asked my dad for my hand like eight months later, we were engaged after ten months, we got married ten months later, we, you know, got pregnant with Millie two months after being married. Um, we've been together three years, like, or been yeah. married three years. So it was a whirlwind. He's the best. It was totally, our story was exactly how it was supposed to be. What do you think you learned the most um, in your marriage? Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> the most I've learned... I mean, it's just so cool to be married to someone and you know that you're, like, you're in it. Like, no matter what, we're yeah. in this together. Like, especially now that we're on baby number two and we're up at 3 a.m. And, like, Mr. A is changing Sonny's diaper. I'm, like, barely opening my eyes, getting ready to feed him. And, like, we high-five, you know? And he yeah. just, like, touches my shoulder and we're so exhausted. And it's so hard, but we're, like, this is it. Like, this is everything yeah. we wanted. Like, we have a healthy son. We have a daughter. And, like, this time is so fleeting. Like, these are the best days of our lives. Yep. That's amazing. Well, these are the beginning of them. I don't doubt yeah. that you yeah, and exactly. Mr. A have, yeah. have yeah. you know, 40 more, years more to of, come. of great days. Yeah. So, is there anything, as you think about career specifically, I know we say, we talked about just a show. In your mind, say it out loud if you can, if you know what it is. What does that show look like? What 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 kind of show is it? Sunny wants So it. here's what's funny is I've done so much stuff with food and lifestyle, but it's so apparent that I'm so passionate about being a mom and being yeah. a wife and like the idea of home and family. Oh my god. <laughs> I know a perfect show for you. <laughs> so I think that the show that I will have is absolutely going to be about home and like the importance of breaking bread together and um, values and the importance of relationships. I just think that it's so much more than food. You know, everyone talks about food as a connector. Yeah. I think that the show that I will end up hosting is about that. It's about the magic that happens between people, yep. especially family and friends that are family that we choose. The home and family cooking show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that it will probably incorporate Mr. A and Millie. Like, yeah. I share my life so much that I think that our next show, it'll be all about everything. You know, it'll, it'll really be about home. Do you feel like that looks like a docu-type show or that it's like a hosted studio setting with segments? I think it could be docu-style. Like, I think it could be following me in the South Bay and me going to the farmer's market yeah. and, and the food that I make for my family and inviting people over right. and have this entertaining aspect. Yeah. But I also could see myself being at a round table and just sharing my perspective on family and home life right. and being a parent. I love that mainly because it actually integrates everything that you already love and you do and also... You are so, like, you have no problem bringing Sunny, Millie with yeah. you on set to work. And I feel like that's just an extension yeah. of that. Because I feel like, and I sometimes am like this too with work sometimes. I feel more anxious and, like, you know, like, oh my gosh, 
I can't have everybody yeah. with me. And you handle it so Just well. Like they're coming you with thrive me. when that mm-hmm. happens. <laughs> what do you think is? As she pulls out her boob. As she yeah. pulls out to nurse, putting timing. a little putting a little nip in in Sunny's. Where show. do you see you? Where do you see Brandy in the next five years? Oh my goodness, five years. Ooh, I don't know. Happy, happy, healthy. Um, enjoying life with my hubs, thriving in my career. Like, there's so many other cool things that I see myself doing. You know, so many people ask me about being a pregnancy coach. That's something that I've thought about. Yeah. Um, you know. So see that. I, I don't know. I think that I would um, love being a doula, but that's not something that I want to be, you know. But, yeah. I mean, the idea of being a part of a woman's journey as she's pregnant and birth. Support um, in some way. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. And I don't know. And I've... Um, a cookbook, you know, people are always asking, like, when are you going to do a cookbook? And I think now that I'm a parent, the recipes that I would do are definitely more kid-focused, baby-led weaning-focused. It's not really about, like, what I would make for a party. Yeah. Now I've been thinking more about, like, how my perspective has changed as a mom. You call it Millie and Me. I have it. Oh, my God, I love <laughs> it. I love it. Mr. A's dream is for me to open, like, a mom-and-pop um, like deli coffee shop in our hometown. You know, we've That's looked so at spaces. Cute. We always talk about like our market and what it looks like. That's so cute. Um, I don't know. I think it's so cool to just have these goals and to continue like dreaming. Yeah. Uh, we're just so lucky that we live in this amazing nation that we can just do whatever we want. And the spirit of entrepreneurship is there for sure. So I think there's a lot in store for Brandy Malloy Inc. I think so too. <laughs> what do you want to leave everybody that's, listening right now with about who you are what do you want them to be what do you want the big takeaway to be Uh, I don't know I'm just like all of you like I I swear I am so middle America basic like I can't stress that enough like you know I want people to think of me as someone that's relatable approachable like I want you to think of me as your friend as someone that you can talk to and, and someone that like is easily accessible. Like I am so not fancy, I'll never be fancy. I'm just me and I really appreciate you guys listening to my story. All right, we're gonna end it off with the quick fire round of questions. Oh my gosh, the fire round, okay. We'll do it fast though. Okay. Yes. Um, so, well this isn't really fire round, but let's say if there's a one-liner for it. Okay. Um, what's the one thing of advice you'd give people who want a career similar to yours? Start now. Stop comparing yourself to other people and thinking, oh, I should have started then, or I don't look this way, or I don't have, I'm not a subject matter expert. Just start creating content and you will find specifically who you are and who you're meant to be. And there's so much room in this amazing industry. Like, just do it. Just do it. I love that. Um, If the content creation world, social media, YouTube, whatever it is, was gone tomorrow, what would you do? Oh my God. Is it open that market? What would it be? I would totally just be a mom. No, totally be a mom. I mean, but I would probably get really into like PTA and all of that <laughs> stuff. My nightmare. And coaching and yeah, yeah. Start a mommy group. Another mommy group. <laughs> What's your girl celeb crush? Oh, there's so many. Who is my number one crush? Probably Blake Lively. How gorgeous is she? Oh, she's she next is. level. She's, what she's a good one. What yeah. about your boy celeb crush? Okay, so it used to be Jack Black. Like, I used to have this insane, I'm talking like I wanted to ride that ride. (laughs) And you know what? His wife is actually like me. Like, she's something like me, ethnically speaking. So, like, he could have been into me. Of Wait, course, he because like he's the, hideous. Of course, he no, would be into you. No, he has yeah. the pointy Jack eyebrow. Jack Black from the holiday, oh maybe I can get. But like Jack Black in life. No, like no. his belly. Like I used to actually <gasps> have this thing about dating guys that were too fit because I would like get freaked out that my thigh was like bigger than them. Oh my god! And of course, Mr. A so has like an weird. amazing CrossFit body. But um, I'm dying. Yeah, but no. But then it evolved to Channing Tatum because. Oh okay. Oh yeah. Yes. That makes more, more sense. Yes. That's more. <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island, what is the one product? my friend, that you would take with you? Oh my God, can I just say, forget product, I would take an unlimited amount of potatoes. Like, I love (laughs) potatoes so much. No, but like, I love mashed potato. Like, there's so much I could eat. 
But how would you make them? You'd figure it out. Yeah, yeah I would start a fire. That'd be a and, like, on its own. Oh, I'm dying. Okay. I'm just saying, like, if I had to be stranded on a desert island, like, I, there's not even a product in the world I would want. I would I just want, like, a comfort red. food. I potatoes. love that it's potatoes. It's Jack Black food. and potatoes. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have, could you even say this, would you have a favorite mom memory? Probably... I mean, now that I have two kids, that seems hard, but just delivering my babies and putting them on my chest and looking at yeah. them and knowing that I freaking did that with no medicine and I breathed my babies out and yeah. no one else did that and I'm just so proud of those moments. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, what has been your biggest failure or like an obstacle that you feel like you've had to overcome? Probably getting over the fact that I do have this story of, mm -hmm. You know, like never, not feeling confident and thinking back to my 13-year-old self when like no one wanted to be my friend and you know I never got chosen to do things and and having those feelings sometimes as an adult. Yeah. And and, and actually, you know, a lot of it has has helped me overcome those. Like I, I swear to you guys, like I will not be friends with people that aren't nice. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm sorry. Like I only surround myself with people that are inclusive mm -hmm. and positive because it's just it's not there's worth no it. yeah. It's no. not worth it. Life is too short. What's your guilty pleasure? Bachelor in Paradise <laughs> with my husband. Like I love watching I love that, that show with, with Mr. You. A, and we like talk so much smack, and it's the best. That's my guilty pleasure. Oh, and drinking a Dr. Pepper out of the can, ice cold, or out of the fountain with baby ice. Oh, with like the crunchy the baby ice. ball ice. Yeah, yeah that's, the that's best. my fave too. Okay, Brandy. We love you, Brand. I don't really know what to say. I feel like I could cry right now. So, Actually, shocker, I'm going to cry again. But uh, I just think it's so, these interviews, man, these are so, like, enlightening. It just explains so much. And it enriches so much the opinions that everybody has and everybody shares. It's just, like, I, I get where so many things are coming from. Mm -hmm. Now, it's just so fascinating. I think what you've been able to do with your career with yourself, what you had to overcome, your transformation, putting yourself out there, even just paying for your own college, creating all those opportunities for, for yourself. It's really, it's really admirable. I'm so inspired by you. Aww, yeah. Thanks, really guys. Am. Well, thank you so much for letting me share my story. <sighs> Feels like a therapy session. It really does. Um, I hope that you guys are liking these interviews because we're really loving it. So we hope that you are. Make sure um, to share your thoughts. You can share your thoughts on this particular episode on Mommy Group Pod on Instagram. Share your thoughts in general about the podcast on uh, whatever platform you're using. So if you can review it, if you can rate it, if you can subscribe to it, that really, really does help us. Um, and then Mommy Group Pod is where we're at on Instagram and obviously at Brandy Malloy. You can find her if you want to kind of share what this uh, interview may have meant to you. Aw, thank you. Thanks, man. Bye. 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 Bye.